People ask, what were some of the top episodes of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast? And one of the very top ones we've ever had was my last interview with my good friend, Dave Ramsey. So you better buckle up, because guess what? Dave is back. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, where we are incredibly passionate about helping you grow in your leadership about 20 minutes at a time, unless I have a guest, which I do today, and we're gonna bring you a little bit extra content. If you're new with us, we drop a new episode on the first Thursday of every month. And I wanna say, hey, thank you so much to those of you who are sharing on social media. We see you out there. And uh, if my team sees you, we might repost what you're saying. Also, if you're new with us, we'd love for you to get the leader guide. Just go to life.church slash leadership podcast, click on the link and we'll send you a leader guide with summary notes, additional content and discussion questions for you to go over with your team. And also it would mean the world to me. I'm gonna work really hard to bring valuable content to you. If you can rate the content or write a review wherever you consume it, that helps give us visibility and we'll invite more to be a part of our leadership community. Uh, Let me introduce to you my good friend today and I've got to read because there's so much about this guy. He is one of the best leaders I know. Dave Ramsey is an eight time number one New York Times bestselling author. He's a personal finance expert and the host of The Ramsey Show. Heard by more than get ready for this, 20 million listeners every single week. He's appeared on Good Morning America, CBS Morning News, Today Show, Fox News, CNN, Fox Business, and many more. In fact, many years ago, we did an event together that was broadcast live on Fox Business, and it went to, believe it or not, 6,000 or so live broadcast locations. Some people say it was the biggest live broadcast event in the history of the world. Amazingly cool event. Since 1992, Dave has helped more people regain control of their finances, build wealth, and enhance their lives. And I'm one of those people that he's helped personally. He serves as the CEO of the company Ramsey Solutions, and this guy is a world-class leader. Dave, welcome back. Honored to be here, as always. Last time that you were on, it was one of the not only most helpful podcasts, but I think one of the most popular ones that we've had the most viewed. And one of the highlights was we actually wore the same shoes. Yeah, that was a big deal. On the last podcast. Because you and I are known for our shoe cred. We we have shoe cred time. all day long. And uh, so that was this sarcasm time, for those of you that don't know this it. time, we uh, strategically are wearing different shoes. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, uh, you, and you outshoot me today. I, uh, I I don't know if I outshoot you, but yeah. but I'm I'm in the I'm in the game. So it's great to have you back. I can't wait to get caught up with you and and talk about what what's going on in your world. I'd love to start in, and and I want to talk a lot about your book, Baby Step Millionaires, in a little bit. And uh, thank you for writing it. It's a uh, super super helpful. In the last couple of episodes on our podcast, Dave, I talked about something that I learned recently. I know you're one of the best leaders that I know. And when we've been leading through crisis for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and, and what kind of dawned on me recently is that leading through crisis, although it's not easy, it's often pretty clear what you need to do. You have to make quick decisions. You need to be, you need to over-communicate. You need to conserve cash. Mm-hmm. And, and it's pretty clear what you need to do. Then it dawned on me that as things are starting to settle down in some parts of the world, I started to go back to kind of my pre-COVID mindset of leadership. And I recognized I needed to not just be leading in crisis or leading like before crisis, but now I actually had to be leading out of crisis and really help people to come out of a difficult time and go back to some of the basics, help them deal with some of the challenges. I'd love to know in your organization, you lead a fantastic team. Has your mindset changed any in this season leading into where we're going than maybe it was the last couple of years? 
Well, I mean, it has to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing that doesn't change that you're referring to, I think, is uh, we always teach our leaders that if we have really clear values, mm-hmm. really cr- clear principles by which we lead, um, the decision is usually made. Mm-hmm. When the issue presents itself, you know what your principles and your values will tell you what you have to do. Mm-hmm. That's the easy part. The hard part is then you actually have to do it, right? which usually involves pain. It usually involves uh, tenderness towards someone who's hurting, or it involves warrior mentality. I'm going to fight my way through this with a dad blame machete. Or, but I mean that the the you know what you've got to do. Then there's the doing it. And when we were in that pressure cooker during that time, and, and uh, you and I have talked off camera a lot about this as friends, the stuff that our organizations went through and the pressure that that puts on us to lead well through that. And, uh, I mean, we went at it with a full-blown warrior mentality to fight our way through the COVID jungle uh, because that's how we ascertained that we were going to survive, which was good for our customer and good for the 1,000 people on my payroll. Uh, they'd like to keep their jobs. Right. And so we had to fight through, and there was a lot of angry people, a lot of scared people who were super angry, and a lot of people with opinions mm-hmm. <laughs> and all this. And so that was – but really clear – like you said, during that time, now it feels like uh, it's almost like we're getting fat again. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like we're getting like mailing it in again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had to look up. The, the weird thing was, was 2020 ended up being a record year at Ramsey and Revenue, which scared us to death. I don't want to get there the way we got there. Uh, and then 21 was good. Uh, and then we started seeing some trends where some of that stuff is starting to completely change. Like we're catching the the second wave of stuff hitting us is hitting us harder than the crisis did. Yes. And so mm-hmm. and, and so we're having to react and go, wait a minute, we kind of, we, we were kind of resting on an old way of doing things mm-hmm. and we can't do that anymore. Right. So it's, we've got kind of gotten raw and real again. Yes. Yeah. So that was one of the things we talked about in the last couple of podcasts that if your, if your current plan is similar to your pre-pandemic plan, it might be a bad plan. And I, I would just say it is. Yes. Yeah. And interestingly enough, is we are we are now like at at Life Church we launched new church locations and so we had a three week period where we launched three new churches and these were plans that we were making back in 2019. It mm-hmm. takes a couple of years to get uh, mm-hmm. campus out of the ground yeah. and so we're executing now on plans that we made years ago and we're asking ourselves how aggressive do we want to be? Do we want to continue with a model that was really strong in 2019 when the world is changing? And it's a, it's a sobering question to ask how much needs to change about our, our mindset and in leadership. Here's what's interesting is that you, you continue to adapt, you continue to yeah. innovate, and a lot of organizations don't. How is it that your team, as we're aging as leaders, you continue to see opportunities and take a very similar, consistent message and drive it into the culture in ways. What keeps your team innovative when it's hard for most organizations to do that for 10 years, much less 30 years? The answer is not very pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. <laughs> okay. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little healthy desperation. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared that if we don't do that, we're going to become irrelevant in 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. and uh, we would be, mm-hmm. we would be. So it's a healthy, mm-hmm. I, I call it healthy desperation, but yep. yeah, it, it is a healthy level of fear. If you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. If you're not adapting, you're dying. Mm-hmm. If you're not trying new things and shooting new bullets out there to see what they hit, mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not going to turn the whole car that way. I don't want to oversteer and flip the car, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but if we're not 
you know, let's try something different. See, I think that's, that's brilliant. And I hope there's some people listening right now. We said before that the greatest threat to future success is current success. And, and you've been incredibly successful. And yet you're not riding on what worked three years ago. You're leading with a, a healthy fear saying, we, if we don't change, we're falling behind. And I think it, and we actually have to ask that when we're succeeding, not after we're succeeding. And my fear is not that God won't provide. That's not my fear. It's not a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, fear is not a fruit of the Spirit, Dave. You say that all the time. I say that all the time. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that. It's not a faith. It's not a faith-based fear. It's a fear that I am so narrow or so lazy intellectually that I become, uh, that I start counting on one thing that works in a world where nothing works for more than about four years. And maybe four years is generous in <laughs> maybe, today's you're culture, right, maybe. right? Yeah. So I'm interested, you'd said, and almost implied, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in, in some ways, this season where we're leading in right now, it should be easier than it was a year and a half ago, but and in some not. ways it's not. In, yeah. in fact, in many ways, it's probably more difficult. It's, it's less, almost, it's less, it's a different kind of stress. Yes. The other was an overwhelming pressure because the unknowns were everywhere. And now it's like everything's sort of getting back to normal, but it's not. Yes. And it's just strange thing in the air. Yes. Yeah, but, I, I but agree. we're getting there. And No, it, you're right. And and so I see that I, I, we've got very capable team members oh, definitely. that have always been consistent, predictable, and and they're struggling for the first time. And so I'm having to ask myself, what's the reason behind it? What can we do to help? You're so good at creating employees that want to stay with you. Your retention rate is is unusually high. Mm-hmm. What are you doing right now to recognize the tension points with your team members? And what are you doing to help them heal and get back to a place of being completely healthy and bought in? We're teaching healthy conflict, which allows them to get some of this existential crisis out of their system that the culture has put on them. There's, there's this thing in the air that's like everybody realized suddenly they're going to die someday. And it's like they didn't know it or something before. And so, oh, maybe I don't like my work. Maybe I need to do something different. Maybe I want to work from home. Maybe I don't want to work from home. Uh, maybe I, you know, and, and they're having all these these uh, moments where they, uh, epiphanies, they're blowing up everywhere. And, and in the middle of that, they've got to have a place in, uh, within a good organization to vent that out and, you know, have a leader that loves them, that helps them come to the right conclusion, a good mature conclusion without oversteering the car and flipping it. Uh, and, and that sometimes can be a disagreement. Like, I don't agree with your mask policy, or I don't agree with your stance on this, or I don't agree. Okay, that's fine. Uh, can can you can we still be friends? You know, because I got a lot of friends that don't agree with me. I kind of like friends that don't agree with me. They bring stuff to the table. So if someone's listening right now, and maybe they're really conflict avoidant in their business or their ministry. Ooh, you're, you're, you're really going to, you're exasperate this. Yep. I think. Yeah. What advice would you say to give them the courage that conflict is not only not bad, but conflict's necessary to have a great organization? Well, conflict that is not belligerent or does not have the eye roll of contempt, uh, you know, that is not arrogant, uh, that is not assassinating the person's character you're having conflict with, is healthy conflict. You know, and this is how, you know, we teach people to have conflict in marriage. You know, if you got eye roll going in the marriage, you got a real problem. You know, because that means I completely have discounted you because you're just not worth arguing with. You know, th- we got a real issue then. And uh, that's the body language of the, th- of the negative type. So the positive type of conflict is we're not, it's not you and me arguing about whether you are a good leader or I'm a good leader or the organization is sick somehow or there's a systemic problem. Ooh, I love that phrase. 
that's always thrown around, which usually means it's not there. And uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, the the uh, if healthy conflict is we're attacking the task instead of each other, we are fighting about what excellence looks like, not about your uh, substandard or I'm substandard, right? Or you're lacking in character or I'm lacking in character, or you have a policy that's unfair to what? Oh, come on, let's fight for excellence. This is what excellence looks like. And I love losing those fights because I've really stirred up some really good ideas in the room when I can get those fights going. I wish I could remember the uh, the it was the author or teacher that came up. There, there's I think he called him the four dark horsemen of marriage, and he and he said basically Les Parrot is it was it Parrot Doctor Les Parrot. Okay, so yeah. so he talked about basically you can tell if a couple is going to make it by how they fight, mm-hmm. and I think that would be really true if you look at any kind of core leadership team. Yep. If there's not, and like, I mean, we have some really good fights that don't last long Mm-mm. and end with a, a better result. Well, we're arguing which play to run. Yeah. We're not arguing, is football evil? And there's got to be a you safe know. place for someone to say, hey, Dave, that was dumb. I got a better idea. Yep. Let's talk a little bit more about retention because, again, we talked about, we're living in a time they call it the great resignation. Exactly. And most... Businesses, ministries are seeing people leave uh, faster today than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're experiencing a little or a lot of that, but I know that generally speaking, your turnover rate is is ridiculously low. Mm -hmm. What is it that you do in your organization to to create a culture that people love? Why is it that they don't like to leave working for your team? We are experiencing some of it, but Mm -hmm. nowhere near the numbers that the general public, so to speak, are experiencing it. So... Uh, we've had some turnover from that. We had some turnover, frankly, that just disagree with our COVID policies. Uh, we lost a few on that. Uh, we're at 1,167 people today. We're up, have been up in the number of team members every month. We've never gone backward. We've never lost so many that we could not rehire and that kind of thing. Um, we'll hire 300 people this year. So that, that's, what's the, that's what's actually going on at Ramsey, not rumor. That's fact. Uh, so... Uh, then what is causing the retention? Well, what we said a minute ago, we are learning. One of the beautiful lessons that came through COVID was allowing people to disagree without being disagreeable, allowing them to argue about the task, the issue. Okay, why are we doing this policy? I, this scares me. Help me understand. That's a good way to disagree. Not like, you're trying to kill your employees. That probably doesn't work. You know, it's probably going, it's not going to go well. So, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, so learn to disagree without being disagreeable and create an environment where that is invited. Uh, and that gives people great dignity. The second thing that's, that we've always done that's, that's not an add-on is that uh, we do not hire people that want a J-O-B, just above board. Yep. Uh, we don't want them just above board. We don't want them mailing it in. Uh, we want them, they're on fire for this stuff. They're getting it. And, um, and you don't have to, uh, motivate those people because you really can't motivate people. All you can do is direct motivated people. Um, motivating people is impossible. It's just, um, I had one lady, you know, say, I'm, I'm going to have to quit. I'm burned out. And I said, well, it's impossible. You're never on fire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, motivating people Mm -hmm. is ridiculous, but, but I love getting people who are fired up and wired up. Mm -hmm. And even if they go make a little mess over here somewhere, mm-hmm. I'd rather do that than make them than make the mistake of inactivity yep. based on fear or laziness right. or apathy 
or whatever, be on fire. Set yourself on fire and start preaching. Let's see who gathers a crowd, you know? Andy Stanley always used to say, I'd rather say, um, whoa, than giddy up. And Absolutely. so let's, let's take someone who's going somewhere and, rather than trying to jumpstart him. Uh, I want to come back to the whole burning with passion comment in a minute, but I did want to tell you, I bumped into one of your employees, and I wish I could remember the details, but I was in Colorado Springs visiting our church in Colorado Springs. And this guy came up to me, and I think he had been on your team for about 14 years. He was somewhere in a technology department. He was super excited to talk. And I asked him the question. I said, hey, man, you've been there for a long time. What do you love, love about the place? And he told me two things, and I love what he told me. It's interesting. Uh, he, said, he said, number one, he said, what we do matters so mm. much. And so it was, it was the mission. Work, work that and matters. then the second thing he said is, and what I do contributes to it. And it was really, really special to hear that. So this was not a guy that was a, I'm on the team for two years. I'm still excited to be in near Dave Ramsey. This was a, this was a veteran. And he, he said, you know, overall the mission matters mm-hmm. and his contribution. And he felt that and told me with great emotion, mm-hmm. just meeting and talking out uh, as we were hiking we in talk, the mountain. We talk about that every Monday morning staff meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're breathing rare air. Mm-hmm. You're getting to do work that matters. People spend their whole lives sometimes wishing they could do work that matters. Oh, and by the way, when you write a line of code here, mm-hmm. you may have saved somebody's marriage. You may have led them to Jesus. Right. You, you, when you write a line of code here, you may have gotten them out of debt and changed their family tree. When you write a line of code over there, you just made some stockholder money and you don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. And we have to work really, really hard in, in any line of business, any line of ministry to connect the what we do every single day to the end mission and the end mission can't just be profit. Our businesses, we want them to be profitable, but we all have to have that and something mm-hmm. that really matters or people are, aren't going to care. And here's what the, the interesting thing is. Those, those are all tied together with what we're talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. This, this, okay, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm connected to it. It connects to the ministry, connects to the mission. I know what the mission is. I know what my part in the mission is. So now I'm ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Even Dave. <laughs> right. You know, I'll even go into a room and yep. fight with Dave, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that's Dave's favorite sport. So it doesn't, I'm not offended mm-hmm. by that. You know, it's just don't be belligerent. It's like, Dave, you don't understand because, you, you know, this, I, I, I'm, I'm 28 years old. So an iPhone is native to me. You still can't spell iPhone. So, you know, I get, I get how this thing works. My brain works this way. And this, our user experience just, sucks and you you have got you know and they'll fight. I love these kinds of arguments and that guy right there that you're talking about whoever he is will fight with me, me that way in my office and I'm I'm love that that's I invite that I, I I adore it so I can only imagine some people out there right now thinking I've avoided that my whole life in leadership and maybe they should step into it and say we can be better if we will be willing to step into some some healthy conflict well I mean you know you're wrong sometimes mm-hmm. So you might as well give somebody a chance to go na 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 na. <laughs> so speaking of that, I had to I had to go apologize recently for being wrong. Uh, no. Is there a time? Is there a time um, in the last year or so where you you recognize? Oh man, if I could do it over, I'd do it differently. Oh, virtually every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do three hours of talk radio every day. That's an opportunity to screw up something every day. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, all you gotta do is read my hate mail, man, and it comes in by we bail it. Yeah, everything so. you say is out there forever. Yeah, it's right. A digital tattoo, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's I can't. I, the the most painful ones are probably not for public consumption, but uh, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, in the last two years, I, and I told my team this. I've apologized. Was that that I was so game on? I was so in warrior mode on their behalf right. to make sure things were protected 
that anything that got came across my path in that moment was going to get Ronco'd. I mean, sliced and diced. And so I had to, I had to go back and go, I'm sorry, can I put that back together, please? And it's like, I can't believe I did that. I yeah. think there's probably a lot of leaders that were like that because just out the weight you felt for your 1,100 team members. And yeah, I mean, I got the, plenty of money. I was going to be okay. Yeah, but it, you it feel, you feel a different out, weight for but them. it was them I was worried about. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned something earlier about your team member, the one that had never been on fire. I'd love to know how you continue because you you, you drive change, you, cre- you create innovation. How do you create a culture of urgency without overwhelming and burning your team out? How do those coexist? Uh, you know, when you're doing something you love, you don't get burned out, you just get tired. And fatigue is uh, makes cowards of us all. We've heard that quote. And, and so uh, all we've got to do is just manage our time constraints. Um, and so here's an idea. While you're at work from 7 to 4 or whatever it is, work. I don't want you on your personal Facebook account unless you're in social media. You need to be, like, working and stuff. Uh, the stuff we're paying you to do and stuff, you know? I mean, my gosh, that's what I'm doing. And so, uh, so be tired when you go home. But that's different than being burned out. Burned out is you did 80 hours at something you don't even know what it is. You're writing code, you're, you know, 80 hours a week, or you're uh, in customer service, and you don't even know what the end game is, or you're writing something that you never see never sees the light of day, or you whatever it is you're pouring your life into, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. That'll burn up anybody with boredom and with frustration. And burnout is, is more about lack of meaning. Uh, fatigue is from too much of a good thing. And that's an easy one to dial back and get back to, okay, I need to breathe a little bit. need to go put my feet in the water somewhere, you know? So we were looking at some people here. I had one team member tell me that there are a lot of people that are kind of overwhelmed. And then she told me that, but they're really not working too much. And and it it it, it got my attention. So I said, wait a minute, they're, they're overwhelmed, but they're not working too much. So I started to dissect and ask some deeper questions. And what I found, David, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, I think there's some people that are just working too much, period. Mm-hmm. I think there are other people that maybe not be, they're not working too much, but they've got external pressure that's impacting their work mood, or they just don't even know how to recover well, meaning they might work a seven, eight-hour day, and then they go home, and they're not doing things that replenish them, and so they come back into work, and they're messed up. I think there's a third group that just doesn't have a tolerance yet for a good hard work day, meaning they have to kind of— have to learn mm-hmm. uh, a bigger work ethic. And I, I I don't know where it fits in those groupings, but to me, most of the time when I find somebody who's on mission, who's got talent, and then they're overwhelmed, they just need a good prioritized to-do list. Because overwhelmed means I got six things and I don't really know, oh no, which one, which one, which one? And it's like, oh, oh, oh. Well, it's just, uh, okay, number one. And number three doesn't get talked to and or about and done until number one's done. And so sometimes just line them up, line the ducks up in a row rather than letting them fly all over the place out of formation gets rid of the overwhelm. Because basically we're saying if you don't get to number six, that's okay. Right. The old-fashioned prioritized to-do list. Yeah, there's the book. It's an older book called Getting Things Done yep. by David Allen, that Getting Things okay. Done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But that's that's a great book that that really talks about prioritizing. And so I think that's one thing is te- teaching people to, yes, to prioritize. And well, then also— And Kerry yeah, Newhoff, our friend, he does that. And, yes. And Christy Wright's book about on balance. The, our Ramsey personality does that. So it's all about do the right thing at the right time, mm-hmm. and then you're not overwhelmed. Yes. And my theory is it's not just what you do at work, at 
at the office, but it's what you do in your non-office time that also contributes to your success in the office oh, time. Absolutely. Meaning, I think people, if all we do is to go home and just look at social media or if watch- If you eat six bags of Doritos and watch Tiger King every night, you're not going to make it during the day. That's what Hello. I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is Tiger King still out? I don't know. I just made yeah, that. Okay. That's how relevant I am. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a Tiger, I think Tiger King is back. I think I saw oh, something. I Lord help us. Okay. Jesus is coming soon. Well, I'm from Oklahoma and Tiger King is from Oklahoma. So I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Everybody's got to have something. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me, let me read you one of your, uh, one of your quotes that you said on social media. You said, oh, uh, no. success is not a gleaming shine mountain. It's a pile of mistakes that you're standing on instead of buried under. Yep. Maxwell might call it, fa I think failing he wrote the forward. book Failing Forward. Mm -hmm. What's an example of something that you just totally screwed up that you learned from and made something special out of it? I'm convinced in regard to that, that about 90% of what we have tried at Ramsey was horrible. 90%. I'm convinced that a that everything you know us for and mm -hmm. that has been life-changing for someone and has been financially successful is about 10% of our ideas. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is, is that they weren't, they didn't have the, all the same weight, mm -hmm. but I'm just talking about sheer numbers of ideas or numbers of, hey, let's try that. Oh, that was really bad. You know, <laughs> the kind of thing. Because when, when you're going for a run in the morning or you're, you know, you're sitting on your back porch with a cup of coffee, you and Jesus, everything's a good idea. But when you put it out in the wild, you go, oh, that was dumb. You know, it's like, oh, that, that would hurt. That'll leave a mark. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we've tried, goodness, I can't, how many dumb things this week? Um, I mean, our, 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 my tech team, they, they don't call it a failure. They call it iteration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a way of life in, in the tech world, in the digital landscape. Lots of shots on goal, they call it. You know, it's how many shots on goal, and that equals number of goals scored. Uh, and, you know, hockey team loses, you don't get shots on goal. Mm -hmm. and, and so life, I think, is that way. So every time I meet someone that is uh, that we all think of somehow in, on some pedestal, I usually meet people who we all sit around and laugh about mm -hmm. the stupid stuff we've mm -hmm. done, and we just go, and I survived it, you know? I think, I think I have a theory that almost every great leader, great organization is guilty of way, way, way more aggressive mistakes than passive ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, nothing moves unless it's shoved. And anytime there's something shoved, there's friction. So expect sparks and expect somebody not like it. Expect the critics to come out. Expect somebody not to understand and expect to have to go do it anyway. And then it still doesn't work and they were all right. And that's just, and then I got to go do it one more day. Mm -hmm. And then we get one that hits and you go, wow, that was fun. Let's go look for one of those again. Yeah. You know, in, in many ways, you're, I mean, you're known now for so much more than just money, but that's you, teaching people to manage their money wells is really where it started. And that was born out of, Massive Same thing. personal failure. Yeah, lost everything I owned. Lost everything you owned. I just yep. had the opportunity to start again. And yeah, but you know, I mean, we've been Sharon and I will have been married forty years this summer. And uh, you know, when she and Amy are hanging out, she'll tell Amy, you know, she we've had thirty three good years of marriage, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is, which you is know, better than most, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. I'm not sure which seven is she talking about exactly. That's really scary. But yeah, and uh, you know, we've done our whole estate plan, and it's predicated on me dying first. I think she has a plan, so I'm worried. She but, might, yeah, um, you're, I'm sure. I'm sure she's be well taken care of if uh, if you go. Uh, in fact, that was how I got to know you. I can't remember the year exactly, but I was in my 20s. And I think one of your first radio shows was in Oklahoma City. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And so I somehow came across it. 
and got to know you. Dave did a teaching in uh, at Rose State College. Yes, I and I was this. like a door guy. Like I, I volunteered. We had and volunteers. I went door guys. I mean, they helped us check people in. Yeah. I was probably, a door guy. probably six or eight hundred people at the event. I yeah. was a very good door guy. I, I helped door. I helped check people in and right. got to go to dinner afterwards and met you. And, and uh, we were like big time. I mean, we went to like Longhorn Steak. It or was exactly I mean, that. We rolled out some big yeah. nuts on the floor. And I was whatever. the annoying guy that came up to you. But anyway, you were so kind and gracious. And I started following your teaching then. And I, I want to talk about your book. It's um, so helpful. Baby Step Millionaires, and I'm going to go and show for those of you that are watching on YouTube or wherever wherever you're watching. Tell me, uh, who's who's this book for? Well, I didn't really intend to write a book this year, and it's ended up being our eighth number one bestseller. Um, and, but I kept having two things happen that were at loggerheads with each other that lit me up, and so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. So the first thing I was running into is after 30 years of teaching people to get out of debt using the baby steps and then get out of debt so that you can have money in your emergency fund so you can build wealth, so you can change your family tree, so you can have something in your 401k, so you can get your house paid off, and so you can build wealth. You know, the whole thing is so you can, so you can, so you can, because a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. We're going to change our family tree. So after doing that all these years, these debt-free screams every day, three of them a day on the radio show. And uh, people are coming up to me wherever I am. They'll come over, and they never yell it. They yell if they're debt-free. But they'll walk up to me and almost whisper and go, hey, man, I'm a Baby Steps millionaire. Hmm. I've been doing this stuff for 20 years. And they were everywhere. Uh-huh. It wasn't one or two times. It started happening everywhere I went. It was like, because now we've got like grandkids of my original listeners that are doing this stuff. So, you know, we're third generation of financial peace babies now. So we're starting to see this stuff, the effect of God's ways of handling money generationally and over time. The second thing that was lit lighting me up was, of course, interacting on social media and in the media as, you know, doing appearances. And sometimes you've got the counterbalance on the other side of the argument or whatever. I kept running into these hope stealers. And these hope stealers are out there saying, well, you can't do it in America today. The only way you get wealth today is you got to inherit it. And everybody knows there's systemic problems and there's these problems and that problems and you can't, you know, and they're basically stealing everybody's hope. So there's no reason for you to try. If you don't have a rich uncle, you're not going to have money. Just forget it. You're dead. Forget it. Just give up. Just, you know, Eeyore is my spirit animal. It's all bad. I'm not going to be able to do this. And so and I knew they were wrong because I was running into it anecdotally. And then we did the study uh, a couple of years ago uh, for Chris Hogan's book uh, and ended up using that study in this book as well, uh, uh, the largest study a millionaire has ever done. And we started going, 89% of America's millionaires are first-generation rich. They didn't start with money. And we've got statistical evidence to data. This is not theory. This is not arguing with your broke brother-in-law at Thanksgiving. This is data. It's like the law of gravity is proven. This is proven. 89% of America's millionaires started with nothing and did not inherit their money. Okay, so I have to basically punch these hope stealers, you know, argument. I have to knock it down. And so that's what this book is about. So we go at it. Uh, uh, from a faith perspective, we go at it from a data perspective, lots of stories of baby steps millionaires in there. And, and it was kind of the answer to the, 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 uh, the negative ninnies on social media and out there, media and out there in the culture and at your Thanksgiving dinner table with your crazy relatives and whatever, you can't get ahead, Dave Ramsey. You know, yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't like people stealing people's hope when hope is real. Yep. Well, I, I'm so grateful for just both your passion to motivate people and then your practical teaching for years and years. We were we were doing the envelope method back when envelopes were the only way to organize yeah. your cash. And you're right, con, you know, consistency over time. You even talk about sometimes that you know a baby step plan can be almost boring and not exciting. When is when is boring good? 
when it works. Yep. When it, when it's a, a systemic process that you stick with it. I mean, I don't know any. I mean, there's a few people would tell you that uh, exercising every single morning is like the most wonderful thing in the world. But at some point, it gets pretty boring. At some point, the repetitiveness of it, the habit that you get into, uh, as our friend James Clear talks about, you know, all these kinds of things, there's still a, even though it becomes automatic, there's still a boredom to it. Uh, and your 401k, you know, just put money in there out of every check and get in the match. And, you know, these millionaires that we studied, you know, the typical one million to a $5 million net worth, uh, they had a paid for house. That was four, five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars, and they had you know eight hundred a million dollars in their four hundred one k or their Roth IRA and good growth stock mutual funds, and they took them twelve to seventeen years to accomplish those two goals, and they're millionaires. The people that get there with get rich quick stuff that they're not in the book. I mean, the number of uh, millionaires that we interviewed that did it with airline miles on their credit cards was precisely zero. You know, I mean. <laughs> I thought that was the plan. <laughs> I thought that was it all I this time. I thought that yeah. was the plan. Well, the book is called Baby Step Millionaires, and it's available uh, anywhere books are sold. Number one New York Times best-selling author, Dave Ramsey. I want to have a little bit of fun with you in the lightning round, Uh-oh. and I'm going to fire a bunch of questions with you. These are going to be really hard, really controversial. So See if I answer them the same be, way I did last time. Be super nervous. Oh, no. These are different. Uh, Good. Good. Uh, do you have a, a book you've read recently that you really enjoyed you want to recommend? Favorite favorite recent read? <sighs> You know, I'm I'm a late bloomer. I just read Clear's book. Oh yeah, and I emailed him and told him how great it is because he's whipping my butt on the bestseller list. The book I is Atomic him, Habits. I beat him for is, two weeks. He is whipping he me. He is whipping everybody. Yeah, but this, I mean, he's this is and, the this is the that's a solid book though. This Atomic is the Habits, modern day classic. This is there's how to win friends and influence people. There's rich dad poor dad. There's what to expect when you're seven expecting. habits of highly effective seven people. Habits of, total this money the, makeover. This is the mo- yeah. total money makeover. They're all this on, is they're the, all on the Wall Street Journal this, this week. This is the yeah. modern version classic that just it's came in be, our it's lifetime. It's going to be an evergreen. It's going to be, be an evergreen classic. Yeah. yeah, Atomic Habits is fantastic. Okay, uh, and yeah, you are late to the game. Yeah, that book's been out for like four years. Uh, but it's still it's your fault. I read it because I actually listened to this podcast. So yeah, it's go. still uh, it's, it's it's something everybody should read. Uh, your opinion, Dave Ramsey, the best dessert on the planet is chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies with vanilla ice cream, probably, probably. And that's that's only because I've given up donuts. So, okay, you know. <laughs> I got you. Uh, on your perfect day off, what are you doing or what are you not doing? Uh, I'm probably on the lake skiing. There you go, barefoot. Yeah. This dude skis barefoot. Yeah, Dave boy. Ramsey, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> 40 years of marriage. How many years? 40 in June. 40 years in June. What is the quality you love most about Sharon? No drama. No drama. Low, low maintenance, no drama. And then let's flip it, but we're going to ask it this way. What's the quality of yours that drives her the craziest? Mm, there's a lot. I thought you were going to say um, your romance. I kind of led yeah, you up to that one. Like, yeah. you could have you could have some fun with that's it. That's it. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm just going with that and sticking to it. Like Craig's suggestion. Oh, I don't know. Goodness gracious. I'm, uh, there's so many things she works on me. She works on me a lot. I'm, I'm never asking. I'm assuming you probably don't have a lot of tattoos. None. Yeah. If you had to get a tattoo, what would you get? Oh, see, I've not even considered it. So that would probably require a lot of... It would, I'm sure it would be something biblical. A Bible verse? <laughs> it's like an oxymoron a face for me. Of, a, face of, a photo of Paul's face or something? Yeah, I'm going to get uh, your, okay. your face next, on my arm. Uh, yeah. Next time you're on here, I'll Craig, ask you. Craig I'll ask you. Next time you come you in with your, Bible with your tattoo. App. You version Bible app. On there you go. Yeah. There you go. As you look ahead in life in the years to come, you've done so much, but what are you most excited about what's coming up? 
I am still enjoying the succession work we're doing. Yep. Um, bringing the uh, next generation of leaders, the next generation of speakers and thought leaders to the forefront and um, in such a way that they cause Ramsey to succeed when I'm not here. And it's working. It's not perfect. It's 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 harder than I thought it was going to be. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it? I've had a lot of failures, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we've also had a lot of successes. And mm-hmm. Rachel just had another number one bestselling book. That's amazing. Yep. And, uh, well, she's fantastic. And she, she's one of them, but I mean, there's there's lots of them. The John Deloney, the the personalities coming out are doing a great job, but our leadership behind the scenes is you really have, hitting another what, gear. Nine visible personality? Yes. Yep. That's a lot. We've got events coming up, and I think Entree Leadership, which I had the privilege of being at the last two, mm-hmm. which were really truly unbelievable. Is that one sold out? It should be. Yep. Yeah. It's very, it's within, within a one or two By the time this yeah. comes out, it yeah. will probably be sold it's May 19th out. So, in Orlando. So they're going to want to think 2023 and not right. miss that. And then we're doing an event together in October, right? We are. And Amy. Yes. Yes, we've got Amy. Amy Groeschel, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. yes. And Craig, too. But yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, they're going to be speaking on marriage. Our SMART conference, which is a day-long conference on every area of your life to be smart. And it'll be in Dallas in October 22. It's usually a six to an 8,000 person event. I think this one only holds about 6,000. It's already about half sold out. But um, it's uh, so we'll be talking about career. We'll be talking about wealth building. We'll be talking about success. We'll be talking about leadership. We'll be talking about mental wellness. We'll be talking about money, of course. How can someone um, find out about that? Uh, RamseySolutions.com. Excellent. And uh, the book is Baby Steps Millionaires. And uh, if you see Dave on the street, you can say, um, give me a chocolate chip cookie. You can say nice shoes. You can say I'm debt free. <laughs> or if you do this book and apply it to your life long enough, you can whisper, I'm a baby step millionaire. <laughs> Dave, thanks for your friendship. Uh, you, it's always an honor to have you on. Thank you, sir. Uh, To those of you that are just joining us, we're uh, honored to have you with us. And uh, we do drop a new podcast on the first Thursday of every month. If this was helpful to you, I know it was. I'd encourage you to share it. And um, man, invite some people to hear this kind of wisdom. This can change not only your leadership, but it can change your life. If you don't have the leader guide, go to life.church slash leadership podcast and uh, click on the link to get the leader guide. And uh, man, share on social media. If you share, guess what? Dave might, his team might repost you and I certainly will look for them and repost them as well. And we're just so grateful for you and your investment in your leadership and being a part of our leadership community because we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better. 